Bible teaching that emboldens your faith with an unyielding commitment to the transformative power of God's Word. Dive deep into scriptures, uncover profound insights, and find practical applications for your daily life. This is Bold Faith Unleashed with Rev. Rich Rogers. Welcome back. We're going to be continuing to talk about foundations of faith today. Today I want to talk about confessions, which is the beginning of faith. Have you ever really paid attention to what is coming out of your mouth, or honestly, uh, others around you? I mean, are you speaking positive things, or are you speaking negative things? Are you speaking what's going on around you is life, or are you speaking what's going on around you is death? Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it will eat the fruit thereof. That's a little hard to unpack a little bit, but um, there's two other translations I think give us a better idea of what Solomon was saying here. The message version said, words kill or words give life. They're either poison or they're fruit. It's your choice. The New Living Translation says, the tongue can bring death or life, and those who love to talk will reap the consequences. I think that really tells us what's going on here. Everything that comes out of our mouth is either speaking life or it's speaking death. There is no third direction. So let's take a look at a couple different things in reference to confessions. First, unfortunately, let's look at the negative side. Every day I hear people say things that really kind of make me cringe. I'm usually relatively quick to say something back to them, but respectfully. But I will tell you, so I hear people say, man, that kills me, or that drives me crazy, or these kids are going to be the end of me. We've all heard stuff like this. But when I hear somebody say something like that, if I know them, I'll go, well, don't let that kill you. Well, don't let the kids drive you crazy. And people go, well, what do you mean? And then it gives me an opportunity to witness to them a little bit about what the Word says. But people go, well, you're making a big deal of nothing. No, it isn't nothing. The Bible wouldn't say words kill or words give life if it was nothing. And so we need to make sure that what's coming out of our mouth is either is edifying us or someone else. Otherwise, it's going to give the devil place to attack. James says it like this. Now, you can look at the entire third chapter of James if you want, because it really talks about the tongue and how it can't be tamed. And then the 18th chapter of Proverbs is a good study as well in reference to confessions and what's coming out of our mouth. But I want to read you a few verses here in James chapter 3. Verse 2, he says, Indeed, we all make mistakes. If we could control our tongues, we would be perfect, and we could also control ourselves in every way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds might be strong. There's a good lesson here. No matter how strong the winds of life is blowing at you, if your confessions are correct, you're going to weather those storms. Because here's the thing. At the end of the day, I can't control the wind, but I can adjust my sails. So anyway, James 3, 5 he says, in the same way the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark will get a forest fire going. Now, if you want to skip down to verse 8 here in James 3, he said, No one can tame the tongue. It is a restless and evil and full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises God, and then sometimes it curses the things that have been made by God. So, there's a definitely a negative side to confessions. Unfortunately, that's what we hear more often than anything. But let's look at the positive side. There is absolutely a positive side, and this is the thing that we need to get kind of jazzed up about. In Acts 16, 25, 
we see Paul and Silas in prison. Let's read this story for a second, but what you'll notice is, is that were they mumbling and groaning about their situation? No, they were praising God. They had a choice to praise God or complain about where they were. I want to read this to you from the New King James Version. Acts 16.22 is where this picks up. It says, The multitude rose up against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them secure. So having received such charge from his boss, they actually put him into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. But at midnight, boy, I love that that verse right there. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners heard them. Suddenly there was an earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everybody's chains were loosed. Folks, I'm going to tell you, there's a whole sermon right there, and that just jazzes me up, because they had a choice. These guys were beaten. It said that they had laid many stripes on them for what they were doing for God. But they chose to sing and praise to God, and God threw an earthquake at them and knocked all the chains off. But the other thing is, is that, what did it say? The prisoners heard them. They weren't just barely mumbling a little praise and worship under their voice. They were screaming to the top of their lungs. What was the result of what was coming out of their mouth? The chains fell off. The prison doors flew open. It was because what came out of their mouth caused God to respond, not the devil. Well, I tell you, you could mic drop that right now. That is a huge lesson for us. This isn't just a New Testament idea. There's Old Testament examples of this as well. Proverbs 4.20, Solomon's writing, and he says, My son, attend to my words. Incline thy ears to my sayings. Don't let them depart. Even from your eyes, keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life unto those that find them, and health unto our flesh. I like the New Living Translation also in this, so I'm going to reread this again. He says, Child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those that find them, and healing to your entire body. This passage is telling us the importance of words. So, how do we fix it? How do we control what comes out of our mouth? Well, what comes out of our mouth is actually what's in our heart and our mind. If you remember from the last podcast, we spoke at great length about this. Jesus tells us in Luke 6.45, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bring forth which is good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth which is evil. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Well, what's in the heart? The heart is what we bring into our mind, our ear gates, our eye gates. Whatever is in us is what's going to come out of us. If I soak a sponge in paint and I squeeze it, do I expect anything other than the paint to come out of it? But if I put a sponge in water and squeeze it, water's coming out. Our minds and our hearts are sponges, and we need to very much pay attention to what's coming into those. And our gates, if you will, are our eyes and our ears. What we hear and what we see 
is going into our mind. Our mind is the sponge, so be very careful and very mindful of what's going in. Also, we see this in Matthew in 12.34. He said, O generation of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now, if we skip down to verse 36 there, it says, I say to you that every idle word that men shall speak, they will give an account thereof on the day of judgment. For by thy words they'll be justified, and by your words you're going to be condemned. Did you catch that? Now, if you're saved, you're not going to be seeing God at the white throne of judgment. But we're still going to have to give an account for what we said and what we did. And quite frankly, as a little bit of a side note or a rabbit trail here, we're not only going to give an account of what we said and did, we're also going to have to unfortunately give an account of what we didn't do. When you get that little inkling from the Holy Spirit that says, I want you to go and give this person money, or I want you to call this person and pray for them, or whatever it is, and we don't do it, that's a leading of the Holy Spirit. And also, there again, think about what the result of that would be. If you get that little nudge, if you will, you know, the Holy Spirit's other name is something. When something tells you to do something, really ask yourself quickly, is this going to result in something good or something bad? The devil isn't going to tell you to do something good. When you get an inkling or an urge to call somebody or to pray for somebody, the devil isn't going to tell you to do that. So stop and think about that. And so we need to just take a second and do those things and be obedient. And God will see us be obedient. And then there again, back in Hebrews eleven six, it's impossible to please God without faith. And so when we act on those things that we know are from the Lord, he's pleased and he sees that. But going back to what we were saying is we're going to have to give an account to what we do and don't do. And we're going to have to give an account. Jesus said it. You're going to be justified or you're going to be condemned by your words. So let's make sure what we're doing is actually edifying God and not tearing us down and tearing others down, or quite frankly, tearing down the kingdom. Now, there are strong instructions about word in this coming from Jesus. Another thing that we can get out of this passage is what comes out of our mouth is also a witness. So, folks, we're Christ's ambassadors. We are catalysts, if you will. We might be the only Jesus that people ever see. I want you to think about that. We really need to be paying attention to what's coming out of our mouth. Now, Jesus said we're his ambassadors. The definition of an ambassador is represent the one that sent them, with all the power and authority of the sender as well. Now, we will unpack that in another podcast. Now, next, let's look at the faith side of confession. Now, we talked about this a little bit in the last podcast, but Mark eleven twenty three. For verily I say unto you, whoever says to this mountain... Be thou removed and cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe those things that he says will come to pass. He will have whatever he says. Now, I'm going to say this again, but I'm going to break this down quickly. He says, say, saith, and said, three times in that verse. And one time he says, if we don't doubt in our heart. So maybe it's three times more important what we're saying than what we're believing for. Let me say this another way. He says, believe in your heart, but he also says, say, saith, and said about what we're confessing for. So it is three times more important that 
what you're confessing lines up with what you're believing for. And it also has to line up with the Word. And then there again he says, whatever those things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. And then how does faith come? Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. So there are four ways to get faith down inside of you using words. And it's all Bible. Number one, we say it. Mark 5.28, if I may touch your clothes, I will be made whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed. Now, this is the story of the woman with the issue of blood. Excellent story, Mark chapter 5. She knew her faith was working the entire time. And then Mark 5.34, same story. Jesus turns around after she was healed, and he said, Daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace. Now be healed of this plague. Now, the first one will say it. The second one is do it. James 2.14, he said, What good is it, brothers and sisters, if you say that you have faith and you don't show it by your actions? What kind of faith is that that can save anybody? So I love the way that James says this, is that we have to do and act what we're saying. Number three is we need to receive it. Mark 5, 29, immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of this horrible or terrible condition. And then Jesus realized at once the healing power had gone out from him and he turned in the crowd and said, who touched my robe? He knew that someone had actually touched him and that healing virtue that was in him actually had come out and went in to someone else, if you will. So the woman with the issue of blood story, for lack of a better way to say it, is a really good example of what's going on in how to receive anything, if you will, in faith. We say it, we do it, we receive it, but we also need to turn around and tell it. Psalm 105.1, give thanks to the Lord and proclaim his greatness. Let the whole world know what he has done. And then in 105.2 it says, sing to him, sing him praises and tell everyone about his wonderful deeds. Here's the thing, the words that come out of our mouth give authority to one side or the other. There is no third direction. You're either praising God or quite frankly you're giving authority to the devil to attack you. How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing the word of God. It hears what is in your head, and what is in your heart. We have to get in our head and in our heart what the word says. God said it, we wrote it down, and we spoke it back out to him. We're also able to speak those things that are not as though they were. God did. In the Old Testament, when God spoke, when he was speaking, that was actually Jesus. In the beginning, there was nothing, and when God spoke, that was Jesus. We see this in John 1.1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, the Word was with God. The Word there, when you look at that, is Jesus, or Yeshua. God spoke out to Abraham, you will be the father of many nations. Now, when he said that, was he the father of many nations as soon as God said it? No, it took about 12 years because there were things that needed to be worked out. We need to speak those things that are not as though they were. If God did it, 
then we can do it. Are you telling God you got a big problem, or are you telling your big problem about your big God? I'm going to say that again. This is Confession 101. Are you telling God you have a big problem, or are you telling your problem about your big God? What are you speaking? Are you speaking life, or are you speaking death? Are you speaking prosperity, or are you speaking poverty? What is coming out of your mouth right now or any minute of the day? Are you speaking promotion, or are you speaking demotion? Let's make sure what is coming out of our mouth is lining up with what the Word says. Now I would like to talk about what faith is not. Faith is not an isolated spiritual force. In other words, faith works in connection with other spiritual forces. Faith is not denial. It does not deny the existence of a problem. Faith is not an issue of ordering God around. Faith does not neglect the sovereignty of God. Faith is not neglect. It does not neglect responsibilities. Faith is not a formula. God does not respond to formulas. Faith is not a ticket to utopia. Faith does not endure the perfection of for this life. Faith does not override free will. It doesn't give us the authority over other people. What comes out of their mouth can, and unfortunately, however, override our faith. What I mean by that is, is that I can be praying for somebody. I can lay hands on the sick, know that they're going to recover, and if they turn around and go, wow, I hope that worked, boom, you just undid every single thing that I just did. Your faith, your confession will override what you're believing for. That's why it's more important to say nothing sometimes. If you don't know what to say, say nothing. Faith is not a magic wand. It does not instantly settle every single problem or question for us. Faith is not limited to specific results. We must also have general underlying faith that cannot be moved by any circumstance. Faith is not the absence of feeling. It's based on the word, not a feeling. But faith does not deny the existence of feelings either. So we need to look at a lot of things in reference to faith. It's probably one of the biggest misunderstood subjects that I've personally ever run across, especially in reference to confession. But faith will produce patience. That's one of the biggest things that we really need to understand. James really talks well about this. And right off the bat in the first chapter, when James writes this, he talks about faith and patience working together. He said, My brother, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith will produce patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you might be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Hebrews 6.12 says that you don't become sluggish, but you imitate those who through faith and patience inherit their promises. So how do we use our faith? Well, first and foremost, to please God. There again, Hebrews 11.6, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and must believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And then in 1038, it says, Now the just shall live by faith, but anyone who draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. So we need to please God, and we're going to use our faith to please God. We, number two, we use our faith to actually obey. In Galatians 3.11, Paul says that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. The just 
actually will live by faith. Yet the law is not faith, but the man who does shall live by them, or faith. Number three, we're going to use our faith for salvation, healing, and prosperity. Now, I talked a little bit earlier about the woman with the issue of blood. Let me actually read this account for you because I want to really unpack this here in our last couple of minutes of the podcast because there's so much going on here and there's so many good lessons to learn. And this is found in Mark 5, starting in verse 25. It says, Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years suffered many things by physicians. She had spent all that she had and wasn't any better. Actually, she was worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of this affliction. Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that the power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But the disciples said, Lord, there's a multitude thronging you. And you said, Who touched me? They all touched you. He looked around and saw her who had done this thing. But the woman, in fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down at his feet and told him what had happened. He said, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Now go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Now, there are so many things going on here. We could spend an entire podcast on this, and maybe we will one day, talking about what was going on. So many people I have heard said, See, this is an instantaneous healing. As soon as she touched his clothes, she was healed. Actually, this is a great example of a process of time in healing because She said, when I touch his clothes, I will be made healed. Well, this could have been days or weeks before she actually caught up to him. But she knew then, she had made up her mind, when I touch his clothes, I will be made healed. And she said it out loud, made a confession to herself. So she made up her mind she was going to be healed. She confessed that she was going to be healed. And when she touched his clothes, she was actually healed. Now, as a matter of theology, it wasn't just his clothes. Jews back in the day, and Jesus was a Jew, wore a prayer cloth. That prayer cloth, if you will, or a a, a scarf, had tassels on it. And the tassels were the things that hung down. Now, there's so much that could be unpacked here, I don't have time. But it was, that word close there was really the end of his prayer cloth. That is where she knew the power was. So, And then at the end there, he said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Now go in peace and be healed. Now, why would he say those two different things? She immediately was well. Now, he said, go and be healed, talking about the process of the healing. It needed to continue to be worked out. The issue of blood had dried up, but what was causing it was still working itself out in faith. And so she needed to continue to confess that she was healed. Now, number four here that we had been talking about is to use our faith, we need to use our faith to stand against the enemy. Ephesians 6.16 says, Above all, taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all fiery darts of the wicked one. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. Don't question God or his word. Just believe it and do it like the Jews did. The enemy will always try to keep you in the realm of unbelief and reason. Don't believe it. Believe what the word says and go and be healed. Go and be prosperous. 
And quite frankly, it, the last one, which should have been the first one, is we use our faith to be saved. Thank you for listening to this episode of Bold Faith Unleashed with Reverend Rich Rogers. We invite you to join us on an inspiring journey that transcends boundaries as we explore the uncharted territories of faith, unlocking the potential of miraculous transformations and a life lived with purpose and courage. By partnering with Bold Faith Ministries, you become an integral part of a ministry that is committed to spreading the life-changing truths of the Bible. Your financial contribution helps us produce high-quality episodes, enhance our reach, and invest in resources and technologies that enable us to connect with more individuals seeking spiritual growth and guidance. With your support, we can expand our impact, reaching people in every corner of the world with the transformative message of faith. To find out more about Bold Faith Ministries and how you can partner with us, go to boldfaithministries.com.